Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. If you're new with us, we want to pull you in that we actually are one church that has two locations. Uh, and where Moses was in that lovely video uh, was he was actually in the auditorium of our South campus. Uh, and it's a beautiful place and uh, you should check it out uh, one time. Uh, it's amazing to be a part of what God's doing. Amen. And we've been in a journey together over the past couple of weeks uh, as we have been in this season of really wanting to build well, kind of being aware uh, of the fact that God has given us an incredible opportunity to see some unprecedented things happen in our city. We're like, man, we want to know who we are, biblically, culturally. Uh, we want to know when, you, when you're like, man, I'm a part of this family, what does that mean? And so we've been walking through these foundational statements for us that really are declarations and reminders and kind of a baseline of like, hey, everything that we do is coming through these things. And so we've talked about how Jesus is our message, how Jesus is the only thing. He is our main thing, the only thing. We want his name great in this place. Jesus is our message. Serving is our privilege. That we want to come at everything that we get to do in relationship to church and life with this attitude of like, man, can you believe we get to do this? Serving is our privilege. Hope is our belief. Hoping in who God is and not what we hope God does. Honor is our language. We want to practice hospitality to and for everybody. That no matter who you are, where you came from, if this is your first time, your hundredth time, if you're 75 or zero, that you feel honored because you were created by God on purpose for a purpose. Honor is our language. And celebration. How many of you were here last week for the unity service between both campuses? So cool. And we got to live this one out. Celebration is our soundtrack. And this morning, uh, what I want to do is begin to talk about what happens when those things happen. Like what happens when Jesus really is our message? What happens when servings are privilege? What, what happen, happens when honor is our language, when hope is our belief and celebration is our soundtrack, when those things are rolling and we're building on that, what happens next? And, and I believe it's that transformation is our byproduct. The transformation is our byproduct. And one of my favorite passages of scripture, if you've hung out with me for longer than two weeks, you'll probably hear me reference it in some capacity. Matthew 5, in, in large part, was where the script of that video, how amazing was that video, where the script of that video was birthed, was out of Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. It says, you, this is Jesus speaking to us, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father 
in heaven. Transformation is our byproduct. Let's pray. Jesus, we just invite you here. We thank you for what you're already doing. God, we just acknowledge your presence in this place. And Lord, we just pray that as we open your word, that you would sear in our souls the truths that you have for us. God, we believe that your word changes everything. And so, Lord, would you come and bring some clarity uh, to these scriptures as we dive into them, Jesus. says, have your way with us. And everybody said, amen. Have you ever had a moment in life when you say to yourself, well, that changes everything? Anybody? One person. Two? The worship team. The whole worship team in the back is in unity. Look, I've had a couple of moments where I'm like, that changes everything. Some good, some not good. A couple good ones, right? Got married, that changes everything. Holla at your boy. Had my first baby looking at Sophie in the hospital, looking at her beautiful little face, looking at her going, that changes everything. Something happened and I'm looking going, what I have known of my life up till now is going to be different because of this moment. Now, not all of the moments where you go, this changes everything, are good moments. One of the bad moments I had was when I was in high school, 15 years old. One of my buddies was moving to San Diego, California. My mom, now I'm 15, right? So I'm still in that zone where I must be driven everywhere. Right? So my mom graciously takes me to my friend's house. And this is like our final hang. You know, like we're, we're just hanging out together, being together, hanging out. There's a few dudes that were there. They were, most of them were older than me, had cars. And so they were like, man, I'm starving. Because you know when you get a bunch of teenage boys together, you got, food has to be involved within like 30 minutes. It's like a constant state of starvation when you're a teenage boy. And so we're like, man, we got to eat. We got to eat. And so somebody has the idea, let's go to Casa Ole. Now, if you don't know what Casa Ole is, be blessed, because it's horrible. <laughs> All right, it's like really bad, Tex-Mex, but you know what? When you're a teenage boy and the chips and queso are, and the chips and salsa are bottomless, you know what? You just work your way through it because you're hungry, you know, and you got $2 and $2 will buy you a cup of tortilla soup, but they can't shut down the chip flow. <laughs> now, I'm trying to be a responsible young man. Now, this is 1995, okay? This is before everybody, including children, had cell phones. All right, this was back in the day of the pager. All right, how many of y'all had pagers, right? I had a pager, purple in color. No one paged me, but I looked dang good in the mall. <laughs> looked important, felt important. And so, I'm, you know, I'm cruising, got my pager. Now, my dad has a pager, so I know I need to let them know. I probably should ask for permission because the plan was simple. My mom was clear. When it's dinner time, you go home. Your friends take you to our house. I'm like, cool, 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 no problem. I didn't know about the Casa Ole situation yet, so I'm thinking, I need to let my parents know what's up. So I page my dad. One page goes out, no call back. Page him again, no call back. Third page, I even add the 911. You guys remember that? It's like emergency, like, for real, call me. No call back. Look, my parents are in love. They were on a date. My little brothers were at the neighbor's house chilling. Like, I was supposed to come home at dinner. They, they're not, my dad's like, look, the boys can wait. Right? They were at a movie. So I'm thinking, man, I can't get a hold of my parents. What am I supposed to do? Like, what? I, I got to let them know that, 
then I'm not going to be home. And so I call the house that my little brothers were at. And I'm like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to Constellate with my, my boys, you know, and I'll be home after dinner. Could you just let my parents know? I had them drive me to my parents' house. I wrote a huge poster. It said, I am at Casole. I paged you four times. I tried to ask, but just so you know, I'll be home after chips. <laughs> now, be honest with you, I go to Casole, feel good about my effort. I'm like, look at you, Griff. Responsibility, handling your business, letting your parents know what's up. Now we're sitting at Casa Lake, me, bunch of dudes, chilling, and I hear, bro, is that your mom? <laughs> and I look over, look, and some of you know my mother. She is a sweet, kind, tender woman. But when I looked over and saw my mom, I did not see that face. <laughs> I saw the face of an assassin. <laughs> and I looked at my friends, and I was like, boys, it's been a good life. I love y'all. I want you to know that. I want to look at all of you. Thank you, Phil. You are amazing. Love you. If I never see you again. My mom makes eye contact with me. Boy, I tell you, she comes over to our table. She picks me up by my earlobe. Says not a word. Doesn't have to. You know, you got that mom power. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Nothing needed to be said. The earlobe pickup told me, this is going to change everything. <laughs> She didn't even have to say any words. And so like we, she, somehow I get into the car, there's silence. I'm in the weight of silence knowing that my life is about to change forever. And she looks at me at a stoplight and she's like, I tell you where you can go. You do not tell me where you are. I'm like, Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'm driving to my house. She starts going through the laundry list of everything I'm going to do and how I'm going to pay. And my dad's outside swinging a bull whip. I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Somebody save me. Jesus! And as I was getting my punishment dished out to me, grounded, I might still be grounded. I don't even know if they told me I was done. <laughs> Taking everything out my room removing all privileges from me even after my grounding was done, I was not able to even ask to change plans for a long time after that. And I remember being crystal clear right as my mom and dad were chewing me out. This changes everything. How interesting is it though that all change, all transformation comes when things are hard, painful, and destructive. Or it wouldn't be transformation. It wouldn't be change if it engages something that doesn't need to be changed. Transformation starts in a place of chaos and pain. Always. That's why it's called transformation. Transformation begins in darkness. And then it becomes transformed into places of light. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus is helping us understand his definition for transformation in Matthew 5. Because Jesus' definition for transformation is that we are the salt of the earth. This is interesting. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. Because oftentimes we think transformation is, I have to go into something that has changed and build something new. 
But that doesn't make sense in Jesus' lens. Jesus' lens is, is that we're salt and we're light. Here's what's cool about salt. Salt is the only substance that enhances the flavor of something and doesn't change it. You put salt on broccoli, it's like you've never had broccoli before. You put too much pepper on broccoli, you're like, I'm eating pepper with the texture of broccoli. You feel me? Salt is an enhancer. It enhances flavor. Salt is a preserver. It keeps things from spoiling. Salt is a binder. This is crazy. Salt is used specifically when meats need to be fused together. They add salt and the, the, the fat begins to literally with the salt, it becomes one fat molecule and not two. It binds things together. And salt is a color enhancer. This is amazing in light that Jesus then goes on and calls us the light of the world. And the message version says that we are to bring out the God color in the earth. A lot of the colors that we associate with food are actually the salt content in the food enhancing that color. Salt preserves, salt binds, salt enhances. Jesus' definition, his roadmap for us to see the kingdom of heaven advance in the earth is he says, hey, go and be salt there. And what that means is, is that transformation in nature is restorative. You hearing me? To see transformation is actually to see the restoration of heaven dust off what sin has distorted it and see the kingdom of God come through it. If we understand that transformation is restorative, it completely changes the way that we see our city. Completely changes the way that we see people around us. Because we're no longer longing for things to change and we start declaring that light would come. That we don't look at the darkest parts of our city anymore and go like, we just need to burn that place down. We're like, no, we need to go throw ourselves at that place. Because there's a treasure in there. The kingdom is there. It's just buried under sin and death and destruction and perversion. And we need to throw some salt on it. And that salt being thrown on it is going to enhance the kingdom that's there. And the glory of God, the destiny of God is going to be coming forth. Look, hear me. God created you with a purpose on purpose. That was not given to you at salvation. That purpose was given to you at conception. It's not like you had a destiny for your life and then at salvation, God changed the destiny. No, you've always had a destiny on your life. And sin has buried it. And God is saying, let the salt of the kingdom and the light of heaven begin to unearth what sin has buried. Your destiny, what you're made for and who you're created to be was given to you at conception, not at salvation. And that is a beautiful mind blow because transformation is restorative in nature. Meaning that God has a beautiful city buried underneath the dirt that we see. And, and he is waiting for a church to say, I'm going to go throw myself at it. I'm not going to curse it. I'm going to go throw myself at it. I'm not going to hate the evil in my city for what it is. I'm going to hate the devil and I'm going to throw myself at it and see the kingdom of heaven restore it. There's no alley that's too dark. There's no addiction that's too intense. Because when salt shows up, transformation happens. Transformation is our byproduct because you can't put salt on something and it go back to the way that it was. 
you have a Bible, I want you to make your way to Acts 16. If you don't know about the book of Acts, let me briefly tell you, virtually it's the story of the birth of the church. It's a beautiful part of the Bible. I'd encourage you to dive into it. It'll encourage you and stir you. But we're going to jump into a moment in Acts 16. We're going to start in verse 16. It says, Once, when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And she had earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days and finally Paul became so annoyed. I love that. Just, by the way, just thank you for putting that in there. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. And at a moment, the Spirit left her. And when her owner realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar, uproar by advocating customs unlawful for Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in attacking Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in an inner cell and he fastened their feet in the stocks. You ever felt like you got in trouble for doing the right thing? You stand up for the right thing and then all of a sudden life gets harder. You fight for honesty. All of a sudden it feels like the world turns against you. You stand up for purity. And all of a sudden you feel like now you got guns pointed at you. You're trying to do the right thing. And then it gets more challenging. Here, let, let me just hopefully state the obvious for you is that to be the salt of the earth is to disrupt what the devil is doing on the earth. The nature of the kingdom of heaven is to disrupt what is happening on earth. And the only play of the enemy is to try to bring intimidation on the back end of transformation. You can see it happen all throughout the Bible and even in our current situation in our culture. Anytime someone stands for righteousness, there's a spirit of intimidation that comes to try to silence the transformation that they're declaring happened. It was the plan of the enemy then, and it's the plan of the enemy now. And the devil wants us to believe that we should just put up with sickness in our city. Because it's not worth praying for the sick to be healed and dealing with the intimidation and the pushback that he's going to throw on the back end of transformation. Church, I'm telling you, it's not okay to be okay with poverty. It's not okay. We're not okay with it. At this house, we're not okay with poverty, stealing dignity and hope from people. And we're not going to be silent. Who cares about the spirit of intimidation? It's not okay that perversion is destroying 
families, relationships. We're not going to be silenced by fear and let perversion destroy the beauty and the design of God and our sexuality and our gender. We're not going to be scared. We're not. We're not going to be intimidated because the Spirit of God is telling us, throw yourself at it. Watch me do what only I can do. And the devil wants us to believe it's not worth it. That the pushback that we will get for throwing ourselves at the darkness is going to be too painful to outweigh the transformation that the kingdom is going to bring. And I'm just going to say to you right now, do not buy that lie. That's a lie. That's the lie of the spirit intimidation church. I'm telling you, we're not going to be silent. We're going to push darkness back in every realm of society. We're going to attack it. We're going to throw ourselves at it. We're going to allow the salt of the kingdom of heaven to go before us and allow the light, the restorative nature of transformation to break out from within the ground. We're not going to be silent. We're not going to shrink back because I believe that Jesus is who he says he is and does what he says he does. The kingdom of heaven is going to break in and break through all around us. And last week we talked about how important, specifically in moments of trouble, the soundtrack of our soul is. You guys remember that? We talked about how the soul has a soundtrack. And it is usually getting its lyrics from one of two places. One is our circumstances, our life, what life has taught us to sing about ourselves. And the other is the restorative nature of the character of God beginning to replace the lyrics in our soul and we begin to declare who he is in light of what we're seeing and not singing just the circumstances that are in front of our face. Now, what happens when we have a soundtrack in our soul that declares the nature and character of God is that it brings transformation not just to us, but to those around us. And we're getting ready to see the power of a soundtrack because Paul and Silas were in prison and it says in verse 25, their soundtrack came out. It says they were praying and singing hymns to God. They're in prison. They've been beaten. Their circumstances are telling them that they should be fearful, scared, intimidated. And their soundtrack came out. They were praying and singing hymns to God. And it says this, the other prisoners were listening to them. Church, I just want to take a minute and say, when you worship in a moment of trouble, your worship does more than just correct your soul. Your worship pipes up the ears of those around you. Because there is a kingdom inside of them. And this is why all of our stories start like this. If you have a relationship with Jesus, there's a moment when you encountered someone or a group of people and you said this, I don't know what they have that I don't have, but something in me is telling me I need it. And it's you get around the hymns and the praises and the nature and the the presence of God and something in you goes, yeah, that kingdom is in you. It's being buried right now by sin and perversion and junk. But you get around it and the salt gets on you and then all of a sudden the restorative nature of transformation begins to peer through the dark and the dirt and the muck. And then all of a sudden you're like, I gotta have that. All of our stories start with that because we have all been affected by people choosing the soundtrack of the character of God in moments that don't make sense. The soundtrack of our soul is not just for us, but it is for those around us. And I love what God does. Check this out. It says, suddenly, verse 26, there was a violent earthquake 
that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Hey, that's the kind of worship I want to come out of my mouth. I kind of find myself talking to the Bible right now, being like, I don't know what you have that I don't have, but something in me is saying I need that. Because I want worship that when I start singing, not only do the chains come off of me, but the people that hear me, the chains come off of them. They're just walking by me and they're like, I'm free, man. I don't know what happened. But here's what's amazing. Check out what happened. It says that the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Everybody said, you had one job. (laughs) But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. This is a a big moment when you begin to understand that when transformation is your byproduct, when you experience freedom or breakthrough, you understand it's not just for you. I think this is what we do wrong often in church. We experience transformation and freedom and we run past the very people that God gave it to us to give to. And so we just hang out with each other like, yeah, I'm free, woo, 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 I'm free. And we leave everybody else in the prison. But their chains are off now too. And Paul and Silas are like, no, 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 dude, we're cool, we're cool, we're here. We're all here. Don't kill yourself. We're, we're all right here. And then it says this in verse 29, the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Basically, you could say this. He's like, I don't know what you have that I don't have, but something in me is like, I need that. Paul and Silas were living from an understanding that the kingdom in us brings transformation through us. And when, so when freedom came to them, their mindset was not, let me just run out free. Their mindset was, how many people can we take with us? Their mindset was, we want the jailer and his household. And check out what happens. It says the jailer brought them to his house, set a meal before them, and was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. And check out the next phrase. He and his whole household. This is what happens when salt shows up. When salt shows up, chains fall off people and families, whole families, destinies are changed. This is the destiny of a church that says, I'm going to throw myself at dark alleys. I'm going to throw myself at broken parts of my city. I'm going to throw myself at the broken marriage that's living next to me, my neighbors. I'm going to throw myself at the people I can't stand at work. And I'm going to allow salt to do what salt does. And bring salvation to an entire household. When the salt of the kingdom of heaven enters the picture, it changes everything. The byproduct of the kingdom of heaven invading earth is transformation and salvation. That's it. This is our destiny. This is who we are. This is why we do what we do. This is the big why. It's to see the kingdom of heaven invade earth, disrupt darkness and righteousness to break forth from the dawn. When salt shows up, everything changes. And when salt shows up, it blows your mind about what you think you can even see. You know, a few years ago, I found myself in a village in Uganda. And this village in Uganda was literally on the border of Sudan. 
It was in the middle of nowhere. Close your eyes, think African village, and you are there. There was barely any water. There was one well in the city. There wasn't any electricity. Me and my friends, a couple of us, about seven of us, were dropped off there. And our heart was simple. Salt dish showed up. We didn't have any plans, really. We just wanted to see God do something in that place. And so we gathered together and we were just praying like, God, you know, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And as we're praying in the middle of nowhere, this truck shows up with speakers that have been like attached to every area of this truck. It was like a mobile surround sound system. If you've ever been to Africa, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You see this thing driving down the road. You're like, that is awesome. I don't know how they did that, how it's not falling off, but I'm into it. These guys get out of the truck. We had worked with them at another village. And they were like, hey, we heard you guys were here. Let's put some music on and see if we can draw a crowd and share Jesus with these people. And we're like, hey, man, that sounds fantastic. So we just cranked the music up. And, you know, we had some people just kind of start streaming in and just see what the noise was about, what the spectacle was all about. And, and we we're just kind of hanging out and talking. And they had a worship leader, and he's going for it. And their tribal language, you know, and everybody's shouting and clapping. It's just a wonderful time. And the guy who who is actually the owner of the truck looks at me in this like deep majestic Ugandan voice and he's like you have a word from the Lord and I'm like nah bro I do not I have no such word and he's like no you must preach and I'm like you don't know me man like I, I'm an associate college pastor bro like this is not what I do this is not and he's like no man like you're gonna preach and so before I know it he's doing this grand introduction about me and I'm like no 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 all lies you know what I mean like this is not happening to me right now and he pushes me out into this like dirt clearing where the people had kind of surrounded and I'm like, God, what am I supposed to say? Like, I don't, I don't have like a sermon just like ready to preach. And the thing that dropped into my heart was this passage of scripture out of Isaiah 44. And so I just like opened my Bible to Isaiah 44 and I even really know what it says. I just started reading. For I will pour out water on a thirsty land and streams on dry ground. And I'm like, all right, cool, I can run with that. You know, and I'm just like, all right, God wants to pour spirit out on this place, you know. And I'm just like going for it. And everyone's like hooting and hollering. And I'm like, nailed it. You know what I mean? And at the end, this like prayer rises up in me where I'm just like, God, let it rain. Let it rain. Now, honestly, in the spirit, I'm saying let it rain in the spirit. Let your spirit come down. God, let it rain. Let it just let the heavens open up and pour down. Let just the, the water of heaven begin to flow through the streets, God. Just like let it rain. And as I'm done, like everyone's like, as I start praying that, you can kind of feel the tension in the air. Like there's like this gasp. And so I like go behind the truck and the, the guy who told me to preach was like, did you know that this place has not had rain in forever? They are desperate for rain. And so I'm thinking like, oh no, like I pray that it would rain. It's not going to rain and they're going to stone us. You know what I mean? Like, and so you know, we're sitting around the campfire and like you feel the wind change. And then all of a sudden, it was like monsoon rain for hours, pouring rain, pouring. Like the roads turned to rivers pouring. Like just absolutely.
absolute downpour, 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 downpour. We wake up the next morning. We're walking around the village. We're welcomed into every house. And there's people like sitting all along the sides of the huts. And they're like, hey, we don't know what you have, but we don't have it. And we'd love to know what it is. So can you please tell us who's that guy you prayed to last night? Who's Jesus? And so we're leading like household to the Lord, household to the Lord, household to the Lord. And then that night we do the same thing and we turn the music up. And I kid you not, there were so many people, we couldn't even see the back of the crowd. It was like thousands of people showed up. Word had spread that there was a promise that rain was going to come and their God heard the prayer and everyone is like coming from all around to hear the story of Jesus. And we share the gospel and literally hundreds all over the place, hands are going up. We're leading this whole village to the Lord basically. We find this young guy. Yeah, that's good news. We find this young guy and I start meeting with him. So for seven days, like all day, every day, I'm just discipling him, teaching him about how to read the Bible, how to study the Bible. And we started a church and that dude became the pastor. That's what happens when salt shows up. Not a plan, not a person, salt. The light of the world. When salt shows up, the byproduct is transformation. Church, we, we need to understand that God wants to transform our city by restoring it to his original glory. And he is waiting for a group of people that are going to say, I'm not going to be intimidated about what the devil is trying to lie to me about. I'm going to throw myself at the darkest, most hopeless, most absolute crazy situations I can find myself in. And I'm going to say, Jesus, you have to show up. Your reign has to come. Because if it doesn't, we're all messed up. That's how I want to live. I want to live throwing myself at the darkest alleys. I want to live throwing myself at the parts of our city that people say are too far gone. I want to live throwing myself at poverty saying, it's not okay. It's not okay. Perversion, not okay. Isolation, not okay. Depression, not okay. Suicide, not okay. Salt showed up. There's enough salt in this room. If we believe that the Bible is actually true, there's enough salt in this room right now to bring all kinds of revival in our city because God has sprinkled you in businesses, in universities, in hospitals, in schools to be able to be the salt of the earth where you are so that revival can begin to break forth out of your place of work, out of your school, out of your hospital because now salt showed up. The transformation of the kingdom is the byproduct of us just believing that Jesus is who he says he is and will do what he says he does. Amen? Amen? Stand to your feet.